if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about the US market. So we talk a lot about registration in the US market and how it is going, what are the pathways, the difficulties. But as soon as you are registered, then you have to sell your products and then send them to the US market. And today we'll talk about importation to the US market. And I have with me Stéphane Toupin, uh, from Dawa Medical, uh, who will help us to understand more about that. So, Stefan, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you, Maria, for the invitation. Um, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. Great. So, um, just as maybe introduction, can you tell us more about you, who you are, and that uh, then we can talk more about our favorite topic today, which is the U.S. importation. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, obviously, you will see with my accent that I'm French Canadian. So, I live in Miami. Since 2015, and I started uh, Dawa Medical here to help, you know, foreign manufacturing company to enter the U.S. market. So we've been doing this since, you know, a couple of years now, representing over 65 foreign manufacturing company. We're trying to be a one-stop shop. So let's hope that today uh, is going to be useful for some of your uh, people are listening. Yeah, great. I mean, when when we discussed about your business and your activities, uh, mainly I, uh, we are doing the same as what you are doing in Europe. So we are also importers uh, in Europe and in Switzerland, and uh, we really relate to what you are doing. So we are happy to have you and that you can also explain how this is working uh, in the US. But first, yeah, let's talk more about the US requirements or what exactly uh, the FDA is looking for, or even the US uh, custom borders are looking for when you are importing devices um, in the US. So um, specifically for medical devices, you need a registration. What else do you need, if I can say, to enter the US market with your medical device? So that's a great question because every month we get people you know, calling us and in despair because they have products stuck at custom. And the reason is because you know, everybody are very good to register their product you know, with the FDA. So they got a 510K or it's a class one. So you just have to list your product. So that's fine. But the next step, like you said, to enter the US and start shipping, um, that's when people realize, whoa, you know, there's other FDA regulation here that we were not aware. And one of them is that the FDA is saying that they, they want to make sure that the U.S. entity or U.S. company will be responsible of recall, adverse event, and, and customer complaint. So it's all about the traceability of the product. So if your distributor or your importer here is not registered with the FDA, you are in big trouble. Um, and that's one of the regulations from the FDA. So they want to make sure that a U.S. company will be responsible of that traceability. 
And so, so many, as, as we said, it looks, it looks the same as what we have in Europe. So um, one point that is important is what you've said about registration. As an importer, um, do you need, I mean, can I open a company in the US and just import devices and say, I'm the importer? Or should I register within an entity or somewhere to say, I am an importer in the US? Yeah, so like we we deal with, you know, uh, a lot of different distributor or agent uh, here in the U.S. and most of them they are not registered with the FDA. Why? Because it's it's, it's expensive. It's almost six thousand dollar per year now to register your establishment as an importer. Uh, you need standard procedure in place, so you need to follow the twenty one CFR part, you know, eight twenty, of which it's kind of complicated. You can be audited by the FDA. Um, so if you can come uh, to our uh, office here and audit our system, our logging system, so you can understand there's there's a, a lot to do, and you are responsible of the reporting than uh, the traceability of the product. So nobody wants to do it. So uh, yes, you could you know be uh, an importer, but you will need to do all this before starting importing a medical device here in the U.S. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we have the same phenomenon that happened recently in Europe uh, because there were more stringent requirements to the importers with the new medical device regulation. And we discovered also that a lot of distributors that were importing and distributing devices in Europe um, are saying they don't want anymore to be importers of medical device in Europe because there are more requirements, there are more checks to do, etc. And they say, my business is logistic, is not to check papers or whatever. So it's something that uh, is doing that. So it's why also Easy Medical Device, we are now independent importer. How are you calling that in in the US? So we call that, I mean, independent importer here because we are independent and we are we, we don't see the products. If I can say, we don't see specific yeah. products. So how are you calling that in the US? Because you are, I mean, your company, you are not uh, seeing the products. I mean, all products, if I can say, you are just uh, accepting yeah. products to enter the US market. So the uh, FDA wording uh, is initial importer. So if you look at the definition uh, with the FDA, it's, it's the company who's taking uh, um, care of the product when it enter the US. You know, um, I'm simplifying what that what they're saying, but so yeah, the product doesn't have to come to us, but the initial importer, that's the term uh, that the FDA are using. And not to be uh, uh, confused with the importer of record, of which is totally different. And that's something that we need to explain all the time to people. Initial importer is uh, FDA regulation. Importer of record is a custom obligation. So custom wants to make sure that somebody is gonna pay the taxes in duty. Uh, so that's the importer of record. Initial importer, FDA. So um, when we say initial importer, um, as, as we said, you are not having um, a warehouse where products are coming and then you are checking and then you are making that go to the customer. So you are in the middle between the manufacturer and the distributor and you are just checking that all the documentation and products are, are correct. Is it, is it really that that you are doing? Yeah, there's two big uh, items here. So first, making sure that, for example, on the commercial invoice, everything is well-defined, what's entering in the U.S., like listing of the product, you know, FDA registration. There's, we have a long list. We have a checklist. So people need to make sure that everything will appear. So that's the first step because 
If not, product can get stuck at custom and it could be very costly and legally binding also. So that commercial invoice is very, very important. And then it's the traceability of the product, where the product is going. Obviously, like you said, the product doesn't come to us. Even if we do have a warehouse because we offer that service also, but product can go from the shipper, the manufacturing company, and the buyer. An hospital, a distributor, uh, Amazon, for example, doesn't matter where it goes, doesn't have to come to us. So um, in terms of, um, of, of uh, the, act, the check that you are doing, as you said, you have checking all this. Is there a specific check that you are doing on the product, for example, the labels of the products or the fact that they are complying to the regulation, maybe to check that they are registered within the FDA or this kind of thing? Well, yes and no. Like, for example, uh, the labeling, uh, we don't check if the label um, is correct. Um, we assume that that's been that part has been done with the consultant or the company who, uh, who did the product registration with DA. So we don't check that. What we check will be, uh, for example, um, the uh, the initial importer uh, registration. Like us, we need to appear on a commercial invoice. That will be called our number with the email, with a phone number. So custom and AD can reach out to us if there's any issue. Um, where the where the product is from, the uh, establishment registration from the manufacturing company, the listing of the product, the listing number of the product, um, the, the brand name, the definition, what are we shipping here? Uh, sometimes people don't realize that when product arrives at custom, most of the time, they don't see physically what's coming. They only see the commercial invoice. So they have to rely on that information. But when a manufacturing company sends a product and there's no description of the product, then custom, you know, they say, what is it exactly? You know, we have no description here. So they will put that on a, on a back burner and then wait for the information. And then, you know, some issue can arise from that. So, you know, there's a lot, we have like, we have 25 items that we look uh, specifically uh, to be on the commercial invoice. So that, that part is super crucial. And that's something that we do with every customer for every shipment that's coming in the US. So uh, in terms of custom, so as you've said, those products are arriving to custom, um, they are checking, they don't find maybe an initial importer or an importer or somebody. This is the moment where they are blocking the device. So if they see, the name of an importer, it's fine. It can be fine for them. But if they don't see anything, then this is when they are stopping and say, "We don't know who who is receiving the device or approves the device to enter the market." Correct? Yeah. No. Exactly. And and the thing with custom um, is you need to uh, to make sure you understand how they think. For them, they, they see you know thousands of product coming here in the U.S. You know per day. So if you put a lot of information on commercial invoice, it's easier for them to understand what's going on. If you don't put enough information, then then they will have questions. And the thing that you don't want, you don't want them to do to request a physical inspection. Okay. Then you know it's gonna take weeks. And you know what's happening? Is then if you're shipping with DHL or FedEx, for example, those sh uh, shipping companies will say, well, this this is not my issue, my problem if you didn't put enough information. So we're going to start charging you storage because we're waiting for the FDA to come and inspect. Um, so it's going to be very costly, you know, for a, a manufacturing company if they, they don't make sure that everything is correctly written 
down on the commercial invoice. Um, it, it's so crucial um, if there's any missing information there. So um, as you said, so you are an initial importer. So it means that you have an agreement with the manufacturer to say, I am uh, reviewing that and accepting your products on the market. Um, what about liability? Mainly um, the products arrive to the market. You are the one that, if I can say, approved it to be entering the market. Um, the product is used. There are some issues, some non-conformances, maybe some um, some damages to some patients. Who is liable in that case? So well, that's a good question. And it, since we're talking about the U.S. market, that's yeah. crucial too. The thing is that um, everybody needs to be covered with a, a liability insurance at one point. Obviously, the manufacturing company, it's not something that we verify um, but they should ha- be covered. We are, we also have an, our own you know uh, insurance to be covered because if a patient died, if for example the family or the hospital decide to sue, they will sue everybody that are involved in that product. So the buyer here, the distributor, the importer, the manufacturing company, everybody will uh, is going to get sued. So that's that's kind of you know uh, um, you need to be careful. Uh, obviously, but primary, obviously, the product liability lie on the manufacturing company, and that's on them to make sure that they have uh, sufficient, you know, coverage if something happened. But I will say, you know, since 2015, um, we never had that issue. Um, so I think we, uh, but you never know uh, what could happen, and then, I think that's why you know, sometimes um, some manufacturing company have the impression that uh, we are very intense by checking their commercial invoice. But we want to prevent anything because we are responsible at one point to say, yeah, everything looks fine, bring the product here. Um, So we kind of cover uh, also ourselves in that instance. Yeah, I imagine that uh, as as you've said, so uh, if if there is an issue, everybody will be sued on the process. So there will be a scrutiny about your involvement. Have you made the right checks? Is everything okay? So I suppose that you have also to keep traceability of all that, of the documentation, of the information to say, here is the product, here is the information. I checked everything. Everything is fine. As you said, you have a checklist of a lot of information to check. I suppose you have to keep that also for many years or, or a, a moment so that you can show uh, your that yeah you, are, you have followed the process correctly. Yeah, we uh, like I said, we have our standard procedure in place for uh, the traceability of product. Also, um, how long we keep the information and how, uh, where we keep the information. You know, it's uh, uh, on computer, cloud-based paperwork. You know, it's uh, different ways that we do it to uh, capture the information and to keep the information. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's mandatory uh, to do that. But like I said, we can be audited by the FDA. So if they come here, they're gonna ask us, you know, show us the log information, logging information that you have for me. So we do, we we trace, you know, the lot number, uh, serial number, depending on the type of product, expiration date, stuff like that, um, because we are responsible uh, for that product as long as the product is still alive here in the U.S. Exactly, and. You talked also about the buyer, so the one that will resell the product directly. So are you in contact with the buyer or it's really transparent? Um, they, they, are, they are not really in the equation here. Well, um, 
if their manufacturing company is shipping directly to a distributor who's going to be a buyer uh, or an hospital, obviously all that information will be on the commercial invoice. So, and we require to have not just the name of the company, but uh, you know, an email and a phone number. So, if something happened, we can reach out to a specific person right away. You know. Um, so yes, we kind of are in contact. It's rare that we that we will contact the buyer. Sometimes we will be in contact because you know uh, missing information and uh, if the customer requiring more information, you know sometimes, for example, uh, um, the buyer will usually be the importer of record. Well, you know to be the importer of record, you need a, a tax ID. So. For some reason, sometimes you know uh, we miss that on the commercial invoice. It's not there. Then it gets stuck. Then we will contact the buyer. Say, hey, you know, do you have your tax ID? We need that. So stuff like that could happen. Yeah. And if there is an issue on the market, as we said, so you are in charge to come to contact the FDA, or it's the responsibility of the manufacturer. So it's always a discussion with the manufacturing company to decide what will be reported to the FDA. So. Um, the only time where we have the responsibility to report something to the FDA without the manufacturing consent is if a patient died, for example. Okay. So a patient died, we are made aware, we contact the manufacturing company, and the manufacturing company says, no, 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 we're not going to report. I said, mm, sorry, buddy, but you know, we have to. That's the only exception where we will have that decision to make, you know. Uh, if not, it's always a discussion. You know, we have document, we fill that document, we send that to manufacturing company, and then you know uh, we decide what we will do if it's reporting. Uh, we need to report or not that uh, that information to the FDA. No, it's great. Um, and have you had or maybe uh, seen the FDA ever coming to you or discussing with you or having some uh, questions to you? Uh, we did. You know, it happened in the past. Um, that we had some discussion with some FDA agent about issue with a shipment. Uh, sometimes they are nice discussions, sometimes they're not nice discussions. Um, but uh, they never came to our office, so we're lucky. Uh, but we're prepared. And actually, you know, it's something that I will, will like because then you know if you're doing everything right yeah. or people are afraid to be audited sometimes and say, well, you know what, come. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care because we, we think that we're doing everything legitly and, and by the rules. So, uh, but it never happened so far. So good. No, it's great. Um, actually, as you said, so you have, you're doing this business since many years, you have multiple customers. So what will be, or maybe something that if I can say you always notice and you say, uh, this is always an issue that people are doing or always something that maybe should be corrected. So if you had an advice to those manufacturers that maybe will contact you in future to say, be prepared on this, be prepared on that, or do have this or do have that. What would be the, your advice to them to say, to make it clear, great, working correctly, yeah. quickly, etc. What should they do? Well, I think first thing first, um, a lot of issue that we see is a company trying to enter the US market, they fail because they didn't do a good market research. Okay. And it happened a lot. People think that the US market will be like this, you know, and it's actually this. Um, so there's a huge disconnection. So, we, and I understand manufacturing company, they have a product, they think that's the best product, that's the greatest product on the market, but you need to, that, to do that market research to evaluate the market, you know, who's the competitor, you know, here in the market? What's the pricing status of these kind of product? 
um, was it reimbursement? That could be uh, another yeah. podcast at itself. Reimbursement, it's so complicated in the U.S. Because if you don't have reimbursement code, you know, nobody wants to sell that product because they're not going to get paid uh, for that product. So that that's that's market research is so important. And then, you know, to understand all of the regulation. And sometimes people come to us, they say, Oh, you know, uh, we have uh, our product is is uh, is approved in the U.S. I said, okay, what kind of product is? We look it up, we do our research. I said, this is a class two, this is a patent K. FDA does not approve, you know, a f- product for a class two. It's clear, it's not approved. Wording are different, very important difference. Um, and then you say, okay, that's fine. You have a product clear, approved, but did you know that you need an initial importer? Uh, no, no, but we are registered. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, do you have an initial importer for the UI? Do you have somebody who's going to and you know go through? And people are just not aware. It's like they think that you're lying <laughs> to to them. This is no, no, no. That's something that that's legit. You need that. So to I think people need to do their research to make sure they understand. And I spend so many time with people for free, half an hour on the phone, sometimes more than that, just explaining to them how it works. And that's fine, you know. We're not that we don't get paid for that. I'm sure you do the same thing, you know. I'm doing the same. I'm completely doing <laughs> yeah. the same, and uh, I understand your your position uh, on that. And I completely relate to you because we have the same. So people sometimes they have issues and they start to contact us. So we have a big problem with MHRA with the uh, U U uh, regulators, etc. Uh, one thing that I wanted also to ask is um, importer is important, but. Th- as in Europe, you need what we call an authorized representative. In the US, you need something called a US agent. So are you also acting as a US agent or it's just something that you or you are focalizing on initial importer? No, we do. Uh, we can be a US agent. Usually when uh, uh, when people register their product uh, and their establishment, that's where, you know, somewhere in their registration, yeah. they require that. So the thing is for the US agent, um, your cat with a name, with an address could be your U.S. agent, meaning that there's not much to do. So for us, um, most of the time when people sign an initial import agreement, we will include the U.S. Ing- uh, agent in there for free. We don't charge for it because there's not much to do. If people just want us to be the U.S. agent, yes, we can do, we can do it. But the U.S. agent here in the um, we're for the FDA is mainly to be a connection between the FDA and the manufacturing company. And that communication will probably uh, only happen if the FDA wants to do a, um, a site inspection of the manufacturing yeah. company. Then they will communicate with the US agent and say, hey, can you organize this? You know, So, but it's, it's, it's not a big task. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, I know that uh, each time they are trying to go, for example, a foreign country, they have to have a person to to organize that. And yes, the U.S. agents is that. So if you need a U.S. agent, then you can also contact Stefan. I think he can, uh, can really help you. Um, Stefan, so um, thank you really for explaining us more about uh, Initial Importer, how it's working and the U.S. market also. Um, is there something else where you can help our audience or something where maybe they should contact you or as you've said maybe they can contact you just to have more an initial talk and discuss and explain more about that but are you yeah. what are there other services that you are providing well we're trying to be a one-stop shop i know it's 
cheesy to say, but um, which really try to be one. Um, and you, because we understand we've been there um, doing the same mistake, trying to enter a, a foreign country without knowing exactly all the requirements. So we try to uh, uh, be that one-stop shop one. Depending what they need, we're going to answer that question. If we don't provide that service ourselves, we have a, a we surrounding ourselves or, uh, with different consultants like custom broker, uh, FD product registration, uh, international accounting. Um, so we have all those people that can help. We have a warehouse. So if they want to store some product here, we can do that for them and do the, the domestic shipping. They need a certificate to foreign government. We can provide that uh, to them. Uh, they need distribution. Well, we have a large network of distributors that we can tap into. So, you know, if they, they need something, they want to enter the U.S. market, just contact us and we're going to find a way to help them for sure. Yeah, and try to contact Stefan before the issue happens so that he can <laughs> help you to put everything in place. Yeah, because I imagine, as you said, that sometimes you also, of course, of people, manufacturers that are really in panic and saying, oh, my products are blocked, help me, et cetera. But yeah. better to solve this issue or to, to make it clear before that uh, this happens. So, yeah, please and I contact will, Stefan. I will say something and, uh, before finishing is that this applies for a foreign manufacturing company, but this applies also for a foreign exporter. So what I mean by that is that there's a lot of people, for example, based in UK, they buy product in China, but they ship in the US. They're not the manufacturing company. They're not a con, you know, they're just a foreign exporter. The FDA take this very seriously because they require the foreign exporter also to be registered with the FDA, and they also need an initial importer. So it's not just the manufacturing company, it's also the, the foreign exporter who will need that service. Yeah, and uh, I think this is also a, a great uh, comment because we have a lot of manufacturers that are doing this model to buy from a country and sell to another country, and then uh, this, this may happen. So if you are having this model and go to uh, the US, so yeah, contact Stefan before so that he can really help you and, and tell you exactly uh, what to do. Uh, Stefan, where people can follow up with you, where can they know more about you and your company? Um, I think our website is great, you know, dawamedical.com. Uh, um, and obviously on LinkedIn, I'm uh, under my name, especially I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. So uh, you can reach out to me there or just uh, uh, with the website. It's yeah, easy. So anyway, I will put place everything on the show notes. So if you need to contact uh, Stefan, so not hesitate just to go on LinkedIn and just link with him uh, and, uh, and just say that maybe you like the episode that he had made. So she'll yeah. be great. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so, uh, and you go to the website, so dawamedical.com. So to learn more about Initial Importer and all the services that, uh, that uh, Stefan is, is proposing. Okay, Stefan. So thank you very much uh, for uh, all the information. I think it was really helpful and I'm sure that a lot of people need this kind of services or need, we learn that they need that because maybe they didn't did know that. And uh, yeah, if there is any question, I'm sure they will contact you directly. So thank you for that and thank you for your, for your help. Thank you very much for the invitation. Wish you a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.